Hey, a lot happened over the weekend. Auburn loses some coaches. They add some big-time players from the portal. And what's going on with the offensive and defensive coordinator search? Uh, we're going to talk about it all tonight on today on Episode 10 of the Top Button Podcast. I'm Charlie Five. Uh, it was an eventful weekend, and boy, oh boy, is it going to be fun to talk about it and rehash it. But before we do, let's give a shout out to Active Wealth Management and our boy, Ford Stokes, direct descendant from Benjamin Franklin, and that is what he wants to make sure you have tons of uh, in your bank account, Benjamin Franklin's. Uh, go check out activewealth.com uh, and ask for a uh, custom, uh, a custom breakdown, a custom plan to get you to the promised land, to get you where you want to be. That's that's based around your goals, uh, what you have going on, and not some cookie cutter YouTube uh, video uh, type thing that, that that everybody can get just by simply googling. No, this is a plan directly tailored towards you. Uh, you can also check out his uh, website, annuity360.net, and he can send you an autographed free book uh, talking all the ins and outs uh, of annuities and the things that he can do for you. So show him some love. Give him a shout out. He's a big Auburn guy. So tell him War Eagle and that you're ready to work together. Uh, at Active Wealth Management. Uh, check him out at activewealth.com. All right, guys. There's no, um, there's no real way uh, to to talk about this without just diving right in and talking about Caddy and Zach uh, stepping down, leaving, departing, taking other jobs, uh, and what have you. And we'll start with, you know, the big one, the one that hurts uh, a lot of the Auburn family. Um, that's Cadillac. Um, I want to preface this discussion with this one uh, simple, simple thing. Okay. Your love for Cadillac as a player is does not have to be dependent on your love for him as a coach as well. They can be separate. Okay, uh, if if you're if you're sad that he's gone, that's fine. If you're if you're uh, relieved or or you're you're excited about other possibilities. That's okay too. That doesn't take away anything from what he's done for Auburn. That doesn't take away anything uh, of the way you feel about what he did from Auburn. If, if, if you were younger when you watched him come through, if you were older when you watched him come through and you loved him, he was a fan favorite, uh, none of that changes any of those memories. None of this changes the Texas A&M memories when he stepped up and stepped in the void and sort of gave Auburn hope again, I guess, sort of brought Auburn together um, in a, a dark, dark time uh, and sort of made us feel like we have, um, I don't know, made us feel that spark again. That atmosphere at Texas A&M was unreal or at home against Texas A&M was absolutely unreal with a, you know, only, only being a three win team. Sell out, electric atmosphere. It was just, it was unbelievable. And that's him leaving does not change any of those memories. Okay. With all that being said, I personally, uh, I'm I'm right around the same age as, as Caddy. He was he was graduating as I was coming into Auburn. Um, so obviously, there's that connection there. Uh, you know, watching him in, in the peak of when you're riding the, you know 
part of are starting to really get into college football in your high school years and things like that. Um, but if you remember when we first talked, when I first joined the show at lot, when I first joined locked on Auburn and we talked about Cadillac, I've always said that I need, I always want, I want to see my running backs coach wear a lot of hats. I want to see him be the dog on the recruiting trail. I want to see him be, you know, all over the place. Uh, the, you know, the face of the recruiting operation, the recruiting coordinator, you know, things of that nature. And for whatever reason, that just wasn't caddy. That just wasn't caddy. Caddy was, he was your, he was a running backs coach. He was only recruiting running backs. Um, and, you know, by either by, by design or by, um, some other mechanism, but it was that it was consistent over three coaching staffs. Um, and, I think there was just a lot of meat left on the bone there from what you need uh, when when college football, when recruiting is king. Now, he could go get the best – you know, he could go get your top running back like every single year. He could probably go get that top running back that you, that you target every single year. But that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. And uh, I think if you were to go pull up different rivals that we have and look at what their running backs coach – coaches do um i just feel like there was a lot left to be desired there from from that position from a recruiting recruiting standpoint and i'm i'm sorry if that hurts some feelings cuz i know uh at auburn we will look past you know we will look past resumes we'll look past anything to just get a former player uh on staff and then we get we get up in arms when when they leave. And, uh, you know, I'm not sugarcoating anything. I'm just telling it like it is. Um, I'm happy that he gets to get outside of Auburn, go pursue uh, and further his career uh, at, at elsewhere and maybe work his way back to Auburn one day. Who knows? Who knows? He may go be able to get a, a play calling gig at some smaller school. Uh, he may, who knows? Who knows what can, he may can go get a head coaching job at some smaller school. Regardless, the position he was in at Auburn, it was like it was really it was going to be really hard for him to advance uh, any further, any further. And I think now you have an opportunity to bring somebody in that may give you a little bit more versatility on the recruiting trail. You could be a little bit more, you know, lean on them a little bit harder uh, to carry the load. Uh, instead of Hugh having to carry the load of essentially the you know all the offensive recruiting, so um, it stinks from from a nostalgia standpoint. I get it, I get it. Uh, it's fun to see him on the sideline. It's fun to see him get fired up. I think that <clears throat> once kids get here, I think once kids get here, they fall in love with him. It's just that whole you know outgoing you know, go get them type thing that Cadillac is just Cadillac sort of a, you know, if you get them to me, you know, I can, you know, I can win them over because he's a celebrity. He is, he, he is, he's got the, the wow factor uh, from there, but it just going out, finding kids, winning them over. Um, I don't know. I don't really understand why that never seemed to be, you know, a huge um, priority to utilize him in that way. Um but it was like I said, it was consistent over three coaching staffs. You go get, you got your one running back. You go get him, and that's who we got. I mean, in six years, I think he has six total commits. 
in six years. Like that's almost, that's just like one a class. And I just think you got to have more. I think you got to have more out of your running backs coach, whoever that is, because it is probably one of the, not saying it's, it's unimportant, but it's, it's one of the, uh, I guess, easier positions, less de- developmental position uh, coach out of all, I, if, if you lined up all the all the different positions, I think running backs coach probably takes the least is the least demanding from a coaching aspect. Now, I think they do want you do want somebody that can bring some something to the table and you do want somebody uh, that, that you know, can bring new ideas and things like that. But just from strictly running backs is, is just kind of running backs and to me and wide receivers or it's like a skills that you're you're just born with, you know, the, the instincts, the vision the hands for the wide receiver, the speed. It's not just not a lot of, you know, you're not doing bucket steps like the offensive line. You're not working on how to get off a, you know, press man. You know, you're not work, work, uh, helping them, you know, learn how to jam correctly from, from a defensive back perspective and, and tackling angles and, and different types of, um, you know, coverages and things like that. It's it's Those are your primary recruiting positions your running backs coach and your wide receivers coach and it just at least from my perspective there was just I feel like there was a lot left to be desired so um I'm anxious to see what happens um uh I'm anxious to see where he goes obviously we're all going to be pulling for him wherever that is and uh again though none of that changes uh if you're if you're happy he's gone, uh, it doesn't change it doesn't change anything about how you feel about him as a player, how you feel about him uh, when he was the interim head coach. It doesn't mean that one person loves him more than the other. Okay, it's just it just is the way it is. You got to be able to separate the player and the coach. And uh, an Auburn former Auburn player isn't just qualified to coach at Auburn just because he's an Auburn player. Okay, and that's that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say from there. I, I just don't think, you know, we, I feel like, get wrapped up a lot into um, former players than, than, than maybe most places, maybe most places. So, um, wish Caddy the best. Let's see what happens. Uh, we're going to talk about possibilities of his replacement uh, later on in the show. Um, another coach that was a former player um, that, you know, won a national championship at Auburn, uh, Zach Etheridge. Uh, takes the uh, defensive backs coach, maybe co-DC title, I'm not 100% sure, at Houston. Now, on the surface, this looks like, man, he's taking a step down uh, because Houston's not in the same conference. And that may be that may be the case, but I think there is some relationships there uh, between uh, Willie Fritz, the new head coach who was at Tulane, there may be some relationships there between Zach and him and maybe another member of his family. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't want to go too far into that. So I don't think this one is nefarious is as nefarious or Zach was necessarily doing a bad job or, or not really pulling his weight because I think Zach was a baller uh, for the most part. Uh, I think he was instrumental in player retention more so than player, you know, go going and getting players like Anytime it felt like we had a player that a defensive back that was on the fence about possibly, you know, transferring or, or whatever, it always seemed like you hear Zach saved us. Zach saved us. So that's some big shoes to fill. 
Zach's shoes are going to be tough to feel because I, he was a dog on the recruiting trail. You saw Georgia tried to get him away from us several, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. They were going to pay him just crazy money. Uh, I think we ended up giving giving him like the associate or Cadillac was associate head coach, but maybe it was recruiting coordinator. I think he was our recruiting coordinator. Um, and and as a defensive back coach, a defensive backs coach, which is a developmental position that takes a lot of coaching, uh, not just that's not just the recruiting position for for a defensive backs coach to be your recruiting coordinator. That's that's saying a lot. You know, that's saying a lot on, on his his skill set in that in you know in house, and he recruited everybody. I don't know if you notice uh, Perry Thompson had this documentary. Which was which is incredible. It may be still linked on his Instagram. It talks about you know his upbringing and you know whatnot, and then uh, it kind of centered a lot around some of the in-home visits and, and Auburn's in-home visit, uh, recruiting in-home visit. And guess who came? Perry Thompson plays wide receiver. Guess who came with Hugh? And guess who came with Marcus Davis? Zach Etheridge. He's a common name in, in a lot of recruitments. Uh, in, just about any time you you hear somebody. Uh, you hear Zach on the road, Zach visiting Zach and Trevon. I feel like are are, are Bash brothers on the trail. That they, they are the ones that are are in the mix all the time. So he's going to be one that uh, I, is going to be tough to replace. And I think you replaced him um, with two very very seasoned, two very very um, uh, two very very good recruiting defensive backs coaches in Charles Kelly. And then you get Wesley McGriff back. So, uh, you know, we thought we lost him to Texas A&M. We had a couple of these, uh, a little bit of these staff shakeups, Ron Roberts leaving, uh, which there was some friction there. And now you got Wesley McGriff back in the room. And uh, according to reports, when he was reintroduced uh, to the team, Wesley McGriff, everybody went nuts. Like the whole team went went nuts. He's he, he's obviously a player player favorite. So you lose that. You lose Cadillac. You lose Zach. You have not brought in a technically brought in a replacement yet for Cadillac. That may be by design uh, currently uh, because anytime you're you're down a coach, you get to promote somebody from off the field into a recruiting role, and you only have I don't know less than a month left before late signing day. Uh, and uh, we Travon is that guy right now. Travon's been bumped up, so he's on the road uh, recruiting. And so it's, we're not necessarily maybe in a huge rush to replace that name, uh, to, to replace that position uh, quite yet. We'll talk about that again a little bit later. But you, when you, you lose Zach, you bring back Wesley McGriff, and then you add – Charles Kelly, both of their recruiting lists uh, are incredible. Both of them are incredibly talented in home. Uh, you're starting to kind of see some of the portal stuff. Uh, you're reaping benefits from having Charles Kelly there already. And we'll talk about that uh, shortly. But all in all, so far, I would say it's a push at best, uh, a push at worst, a push at worst when, I, when we're talking about coaches out and coaches in, um, and we'll see how the the rest of the offensive staff shakes out, and we're going to talk about that again uh, in just a bit. Um, before we do that, 
Let's also give a shout out to plainscoffee.com. Guys, why not? Why do you want to go to the grocery store uh, and fight the lines, fight the traffic, and, and, and just the, the general inconvenience to get your coffee when you can have it sent straight to your door? And we're not talking about coffee that's been sitting in a warehouse for months. We're talking about fresh roasted the day before they ship, so fresh that you can smell it on the doorstep coffee. And if, Hey, if you're not a coffee guy, you're not a coffee gal, they got teas too. visit plainscoffee.com. Use promo code button. That's easy to remember. Top button pod, use coupon code button, take 10% off literally every single order from now until the end of time. Uh, and, uh, have fresh coffee support in a local, um, Auburn guy. Uh, and you know, you're buying it already. You're buying coffee already. You might as well buy better coffee and just have it shipped to your door. So check them out, plainscoffee.com, uh, coupon code button for 10% off. So I mentioned you got Charles Kelly uh, in, you got Charles Kelly in the house right now. You got Wesley McGriff back in the house. You've over the weekend, you add several, a, a couple of big time additions uh, from the portal. And then, you know, when you're listening to this podcast, we you probably have already added another one. Okay. So in order, Percy Lewis, big offensive tackle from Mississippi state. Um, we're in it early with him. Then you kind of felt like it, we were fading. Uh, he was going to come to, uh, so he visited Arkansas Then he was going to come to Auburn and then he's going to go to Ole Miss. Well, he canceled his Auburn visit. So everybody's like, dadgummit. You know, he's out. He's out. He goes to Ole Miss, doesn't commit to Ole Miss, circles back around, visits Tennessee, and then all of a sudden it's – or I think he came – after he visited Ole Miss, he ended up coming back through Auburn. Well, then he goes and visits, visits Tennessee, and then boom, all of a sudden Auburn's feeling really good. Okay, we're, we're feeling really good about adding this guy. Um, different other – different offensive linemen ended up signing places that helped sort of free – uh, or, or take maybe take some spots that Percy may have may have been looking at or whatever. But anyway, the way it all shook out, boom! All of a sudden, it's Auburn, Tennessee, and he ends up committing and signing. Uh, and, and I guess he's enrolling uh, at, at Auburn. Uh, and I just think that's uh, absolutely huge. He is he throughout his career, he's sort of been a developmental a developmental guy. He was a JUCO kid. And then he ended up signing with Mississippi State. He didn't play – I think I don't think he played two years ago, but last year, this past year, he played quite a bit. Um, he would have probably been, you know, one of our better graded linemen. Uh, if you look at pro football focus, things like that. Um, the biggest thing about Percy is I feel like Percy is like adding two guys from the portal. And what do I mean by that? Percy allows you to – possibly lock in that left or right tackle spot and move someone else, one of those tackles inside who are just as good and have had time to play there, whether it be Dylan Wade or a Xavier Miller, probably Dylan Wade, probably going to look at putting him at left tackle. Just again, helping 
the depth, helping the uh, the add to flexibility in the line, uh, and just again a guy that a lot of a lot of different folks wanted. A lot of folks were read real that really needed that that big time left tackle, um, and Auburn gets him. One of their biggest needs, I feel like, in the portal. Maybe let me let me take that back. Biggest need is not probably the right. Um, probably not the the right uh, description because I feel like the bigger needs were your defensive back, your defensive line, uh, which we did add to. But but it was a it's a big time luxury to be able to have Dylan Wade get the opportunity to slide inside and play the the position that is going to best help him translate to the NFL. Um, and uh, and in a worst case scenario, you just have the same line that you had uh, last year. But I think he's a big luxury, a, probably the biggest luxury to be able to add a big time. When I say big time, not only uh, from a talent standpoint, but just from a sheer size standpoint, a big time left tackle that uh, offers you up a lot of flexibility on – the interior, very, very excited. You should be excited about this guy. And he's in here early. He's going to be able to go through spring workouts, whatever he has to do to get ready, um, just that extra time to be able to be ready and play uh, in the fall. And that offensive line, who took a huge step forward last year, has a chance to take an even further step forward again with you got Connor Lou with another year under his belt, freshman All-American. Um, then you have uh, – Obviously, Dylan Wade, you got a battle at the other guard spot. And then you got Isaiah Miller, who was thrown into the fire early and played really well. Another chance to get another year to, uh, of conditioning, another year of development. He's got two left to play. So all of a sudden, you're, you're starting to feel and you're, start, you're starting to feel really good about the offensive line. You're starting to build some, some quality depth. Uh, and uh, that, was a, that was a big one. That was a big one. Uh, so Percy Lewis, uh, he's he's here. He's going to be enrolled quickly and, and, and going through classes and, and, and going through workouts and getting ready for spring. So he's going to be a fun one to watch. Probably my favorite player so far, maybe the biggest addition of this portal class uh, is Jaron Thompson from uh, Texas, a safety who was just added yesterday. He just committed uh, yesterday. So you're, you're listening to this on a Tuesday. He committed and signed on Monday. He came in over the weekend, and he was supposed to leave from Auburn and go straight to Florida. I think he, once he got here, he canceled his visit. So we did what other people have been doing to, <laughs> doing to us. We got him here on the visit and shut her down. And that, that's fun to see. That, that that's, that's great to see because, you know, that's happened to us so many times where we were going to be patient, you know, just get get a visit on the list, and then dudes were committing before they could even come in their visit. Well, now we flipped the script and we did it to you know we did it to Florida. So you get Jaron Thompson in, to played a ton of football. He's uh, played for four years, um, been very very productive at safety. Um, this is not just a depth piece. This is a starter. This is a starter safety um, that can come in. He's only got one year to play, and that's really I feel like that's really all we need from him to come in play bring that veteran presence to this young but very talented uh, safety room. Uh, last year he had like 80 tackles. This year um, he had another productive year. He had an a big interception 
probably a game ceiling interception uh, in uh, the uh, in <clears throat> in Tuscaloosa this year uh, when Texas played um, Alabama. Not a huge guy, 190-ish. Um, a lot what I call lurkers. You know those lurker safeties, not those, not just dudes that are going to come up at two fifteen and rock you um, behind the line of scrimmage, or or be you know dudes that are just going to take on big blocks. I'm just talking about those dudes that hang back and make plays. Now he has lined up all over the field. Um, he's he's very versatile, but again, I think his position primarily is going to be that free safety lurker uh, position that Auburn sorely needs on the back end of uh you know of their defense to be able to cover a lot of field, be savvy, be able to understand what offenses are trying to do and just we're again, we're we're youthful, we're inexperienced and his experience is invaluable and he's the perfect bridge, okay? He is the perfect bridge one year because we've already had we had a really good class uh, Hughes' first class, the first half class. When he got here, he scrambled and threw a bunch together. A great defensive back class there. And then you have a super athletic defensive back and, and highly rated defensive backs class that you just signed that most every single one of them are already enrolled. So those guys just need – they just need some time. And this guy affords you that coupled along with Laquan Robinson, the JUCO product that we signed. I mean, it's – I mean, I, I just can't think of a better – I can't think of a better portal addition uh, that means the most, like the most quality player that we've got that, that just so feels a huge need like Jaron Thompson. Uh, and I'm excited. That's a kid that he's he's enrolled as well. He's going to go through spring. He is going to help us immensely, immensely early and often be a mentor to these young guys. Uh, just, again, afford them the opportunity to not have to go full force uh, to the Wolves uh, like, like you saw in the Maryland game. Now, that experience was great for them. You got tape on them. Everything like that, but this is uh, this is a huge deal. This is a huge deal for that room. And the cool thing about it, that one year guy, you're getting to a point now after this after this next season, you don't necessarily, you may not necessarily have to even look at another safety or anything like that in the portal for a very long time, barring injury barring transfer, barring something unforeseen, you ought to be just about set at safety now moving forward. That's cool. That's cool. That was fast that we got there that quickly. Um, and I think that trend is going to sort of after this next is going to sort of be throughout the whole roster sort of moving forward. That's not going to be that we got to bring in 12 guys anymore. Maybe it's just five or six next, next off season. So, Jaron Thompson, huge. Um, cannot express enough how big that guy is as an addition to this roster. Um, now let's talk about somebody that I think could be very close. Auburn can be very close to adding. Now, again, it's Tuesday. By the time you're listening to this, he very well could already be already be committed. I think we're in the driver's seat, and that's for Antonio Kite. 
from Alabama. I say quickly, you know, I say expect it quickly because it kind of has to be quickly. <laughs> it has to be quickly because January 17th is the last, which is tomorrow, is the last day to enroll, is the last day to um, the last day to be able to sign up and add classes. Okay. Because, uh, so he's got today or he's got tomorrow to get here to Auburn. I think it possibly is going to be today. Antonio kite. Um, he's a red, he'll be coming in as a red shirt freshman. So he'll play his next season. He'll be a red shirt sophomore. Okay. High four star defensive back, um, from Anniston, Alabama. He would have been, in the 2022 class, our top, our highest rated signee. It would have been him, then J.D. Rim. They would have been our highest rated uh, signees. A long, uh, athletic corner. Um, Alabama is just, I mean, they're, they're deep, obviously. So a lot of these freshmen and redshirt freshmen that see the opportunity that they can go be a starter elsewhere are bolting, especially now that Nick Saban's gone. Um, and that you just hired an offensive, uh, an offensive head coach, so to speak. You don't have a defensive coordinator yet. I think they're probably about to to have that field. But still, these guys are looking for opportunities, and I think Auburn is an awesome opportunity. I love adding portal guys from in state. I love it. It's just it, I feel like it helps with relationships, high school relationships. It helps with future pipelines. Uh, I feel like that area I feel like is a big, big Alabama area. So it's good to be able to have somebody that you can kind of, you know, that you can kind of, uh, you know, pin and say, hey, we got, we're going to put a flag down here, and uh, we got a guy here, and we can use, you know, not necessarily use him, but that could open doors to talking to other kids uh, in that area, but. Where is where does where does he fit in you know this whole like defensive back lineup? So you got Kay and Lee, who's going to be a solidified starter at one corner. You got Keontae Scott, who wants to be an outside corner, and then you got Antonio uh, Kite as well as JD Rim and some other other uh, young guys uh, that are going to be battling out for that other corner and that nickel spot. Ultimately. What I think is probably going to happen, what I would, what I kind of hope happens, is that uh, Antonio Kite um, is a guy that can play the opposite corner as Kaylee, and that I don't want to say uh, influences or, or pushes, but I think I, I'm hoping that it helps get Keontae Scott back at that nickel spot because again, I, I just love him close to the ball. I love him. Um, over that slot guy, whoever that is, he's athletic enough. He's physical enough to go with the bit to run with the bigger guys to bang on those, you know, bigger receiver, bigger tight ends that line up in the slot. And uh, and then he's a, he's just got a knack for for making tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, and the further you put him away from the ball, the less opportunities you have for that kind of stuff to happen. So, Kite is a guy that will that could. Uh, that could, um, I guess, afford us the opportunity to not necessarily have to have Scott be the other outside corner. I know he, that may be what he wants to be, and he still may be. Kite could play, possibly play nickel. Who knows? But you just have a six-one dude that can long corner that can play at that outside corner, so Scott doesn't have to play corner. You know, he may end up still winning the job, but he doesn't have to now. 
He doesn't have to. Now you got multiple guys that can play out there that you can feel good if, you know, it pops like we all hope. Um, that's a Charles Kelly connection. You know, that's his, you know, he is an Alabama recruiting guy. He's he's recruited the state of Alabama uh, just as good as anybody has. This is that's that's one of those connections. Um, and I think there's a lot more of those uh, that you're going to see uh, moving forward, whether it be through the portal or relationships that he has uh, in high school, uh, regardless. So um those those two for sure additions and then hopefully um hopefully when you're listening he, this the, the kite news is already out um and uh hopefully it, i'm not wearing an egg on my face <laughs> on that either but feel pretty good feel i think auburn feels pretty good about it so uh at, again adding that adding those three guys um along with your veteran uh defensive linemen and, and you know your other portal pieces we'll talk about um We'll talk about sort of the grade, so to speak, uh, of of how you did in the portal. Um, did you did you make your team better and stuff like that? Maybe on Thursday or or next week, something like that. But right now, be happy with these two additions and, and hopefully this third one, uh, and uh, just continue to bits. You don't have a whole lot of time so left before uh, enrollment, so. Hopefully you'll go ahead. You know, maybe there could be some other guys that that, that are added, and we'll talk about those uh, when it happens. All right. Last thing: offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Let's start with defensive coordinator because it should be quick. There's just not a lot of updates. It's just not a lot of updates. Early, it seemed like Chris Kiffin was going to be the guy. Uh, it was done. You felt like you were just. Uh, you know, it was just a foregone conclusion. The Houston Texans win their playoff game this past weekend. Their defense looks really good. And now he's in talk of possibly getting a defensive coordinator gig uh, in the NFL. You're, don't, you're not super rushed to make a call. With, with him, you're not super rushed to, like, have to have a decision from him only um, – I'm sorry. You're not you're not super rushed to have to have him make a decision unless there's a possibility that that decision is no. I'm not coming because the the coaching hiring cycle is starting to kind of come to an end where guys are going to be locked in. Got where they're moved to wherever they're going to be moved to and heck spring ball is not super duper far, you know, from from starting. So, um I don't think you just want to just wait for him uh, until the playoffs are done. Just say, hey, we're going to wait, and then whatever happens, happens. Uh, you've probably given him uh, a, a solid offer. You've probably said, hey, look, this is what we want. We need you to make a decision or we got to move on. And I think that tipping point of having to move on is, is, is either here and past or is very, very close. It's very, very close. So I would love to add uh, Chris Kiffin. I would love to add him uh, from his wealth of knowledge in the NFL, um, that additional pass rushing specialist. So Jeremy Garrett doesn't have to be your 100% guy on the defensive line. You can have an edge guy. Chris Kiffin can kind of tutor the edges because that's sort of been his calling card. And you got Josh Aldridge can can manage the linebackers. And it's not like a like a 
like right now, Aldridge and, and uh, Garrett are kind of sharing those duties. Now you could have a dedicated dude, pass rushing specialist guy that can recruit like a madman, has an NFL pedigree. You pair him with Charles Kelly and his wealth of knowledge. I think those two could be a huge uh, team together, but something's got to happen fast with him. I just don't think you can wait a ton longer because the hiring cycles are starting to, you know, are starting to, you know, heat up and finish. Um, so if you move on from Chris Kiffin, where do you go? Where do you go? Two names that have been thrown out there by Justin Hokinson on on three, Tom Allen, uh, who actually took the job, uh, took the defensive coordinator job at Penn State. He was the head coach at Indiana. Unbelievable defensive mind. If you could, if 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 I could choose. You know, I'd love to have Chris Kiffin, but I mean, if you had the choice, Tom Allen would be a home run. Tom Allen would be a home run. It's sort of a Fred, maybe possibly a Wesley McGriff situation where maybe it's not completely final that he signed all his deal and his and his finish, and you could pick him off. Hugh, him and Hugh have history together. Uh, they were he was a part of that uh, Ole Miss staff that was so good. Um, and he sort of ascended through the coaching ranks to get a head coach in Indiana, uh, get the head coaching gig at Indiana. That's a tough place to win, um, but he's been a heck of a defensive coach everywhere he's been. So it'd be it'd be huge. He's possibly on the table, but the guy I think maybe the most maybe the most likely could be like a DJ Durkin, um, big time. You know, sort of had his rise as a coach at Florida from a linebacking perspective, recruiting perspective, ended up getting the head coach, I think the head coaching gig at Maryland. Then he was the defensive coordinator, I believe, at Texas A&M um, up until this, you know, last coaching change. Again, another guy that's known as a recruiter. Um, he could be a guy that, that you look at adding. There's just not a lot of solid – I guess there's not a lot of – there's. It's not as it's it's not as sort of in stone or not as sort of like a clear picture at defensive coordinator as it is uh, for offensive coordinator at least from a uh, your, the person you want to get uh, perspective. I think you really wanted Chris Kiffin. Now that water's a little bit muddy. You're going to have to pivot possibly pretty quickly. If not, you've already already pivoted. Could it, one or two or three of these other guys um, be a you know, be a factor. And then, you know, if push comes to shove, you got you still got Charles Kelly there that could end up uh, running the defense who's, you know, has a, has had a long uh, career, a lot of experience with, you know, some of the top defensive minds in college football. Uh, main, you know, obviously Nick Saban. Uh, and then he ran, uh, you know, I think he was uh, on staff with uh, – he was worked hand-in-hand with uh, Mark Stoops at, at Florida State. So, again – when, when they were winning and, and, and he's an unbelievable recruiter. So like your, if your consolation prize uh, is, is Charles Kelly, you're, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. So let's see how it shakes out. Do you give, you know, do you give Kiffin one last chance to um, Chris Kiffin one last chance to pull the trigger? Do you pivot, make a hard run at, you know, a Tom Allen, a DJ Durkin or somebody's name who hasn't necessarily popped up yet. Um, we'll have to see. Um, offensive coordinator. Has been a weird. It's been weird, but at the same time, it it, it when you start to see Nick uh, 
Lane Kiffin and, and, and the stuff that he's tweeting about and the stuff that he's saying, the picture's sort of coming a little bit clearer on uh, on Derek Nix and why it's not already over, uh, I guess. So if you remember last year, uh, I believe Hugh wanted to bring him in as a wide receivers coach, and there was a it was a done deal. It was going to happen, and then there happened, and then it just like evaporated. There was a hang up in the wording of the contract. He had if he got a promotion, it had to be um, it had to be a an actual promotion uh, to a different title or, or something, and or he would have to pay a huge buyout, or you'd have to pay a huge buyout, or you know whatever, and that just wasn't in the cards at that point in time. And sort of are going through that same scenario now. But, you know, it went dark for a while. Uh, Kiffin did that tweet where it was like, hey, y'all stop calling me. Derek Nix is not going to Auburn or he's not at Auburn or something like that. And it was a picture of Derek Nix and they're in their war, war room or whatever, <coughs> clearly looking at um, film on a uh, portal player. So everybody was like, man. I guess the Derek Nix thing is over, but he is Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss in general won't stop tweeting, won't stop talking about Auburn, which makes me think this thing's not over. <laughs> makes me think this thing's not over. So if the wording and, and is an item that that makes it really clear that they are going after the wording in his contract that says, you know, something along the lines of. He can't be an offensive coordinator in title. He's got to be a primary play caller. And one of the things that you know that that's the case or that's the the sticking point is that Lane Kiffin tweeted an article from Chris Lowe from, you know, a few weeks ago that says Gus Malzahn – I'm sorry, not Gus Malzahn, sorry. Hugh Freeze is going to be your primary play caller. I'm so used to I'm, – I'm so, like, still in the – in you know – Coaches saying they're going to call plays. They're not going to call plays. Hugh Freeze says he's not. He's going to call plays. Well, there's an article about it. Well, you know, in the midst of all this talk of trying to get Derek Nix, okay, he's got to be a primary play caller. But look, here's an article where you said you're going to be the primary play caller. So what's the deal? Again, I think it's just uh, a matter of time before uh, Derek Nix is going to be the guy. I hope he's the guy. Um, and I don't know how you can really enforce somebody being the primary play caller because it's not like we're going to give, you know, Ole Miss or Lane Kiffin the play the play sheets, or we're not going to give them access to the headsets where they can hear who's calling the plays, or we're not doing like sending them Excel spreadsheets of him calling over fifty percent of the plays or whatever. And again, I just don't really know how you enforce that uh, at, at really at all. But the the biggest thing is. You know, I, I get wanting to retain a guy, but you're keeping this guy from excelling. Like you're keeping this guy from getting a promotion, and I think that could be come back and 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 you know, sort of make you look bad uh, from really trying to uh, hurt furthering uh, this guy's career. So, again, when you're listening to this, it could be official. It may still be a couple more days. Quite frankly, there's just not a – there does not seem to be a backup plan. There does not seem to be a backup um, option 
for uh, you know for your offensive you know coordinator position. I think if this thing completely falls through, um, you probably just name Kent Austin uh, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, and you go try to find a stud uh, running back coach recruiter. Um, it's late in the game, but there's there's probably still some young guys out there that you can go grab that can be uh, great recruiters. But let's hope it doesn't necessarily have to come to that. I was talking with some friends, and they're like, "What do you gain? Um, what do you gain uh, when you when you bring in a a guy like Derek Nix? Um, because you're you know you're in theory, Hugh's going to have to come off the road a little bit." Uh, to be able to run the offense and call the plays. And the way I look at it is when it was Hugh, it was Carnell and it was our Cadillac and it was Philip Montgomery. You know, hate me, get mad at me, whatever you want to say. You had one full time recruiter. That's it. And that was Hugh Freeze. That's it. This year, Cadillac didn't sign anybody. That's tough. That's hard to do. Like, there's no recruit that was tied to his name this year. Um, so you had one full-time recruiter. Now, if if he comes, if it's just 25% or 30% that he comes off the road, and then you add Derek Nix to the room, and then you add Ken Austin, who has been the offensive coordinator for Hugh Freeze before at Liberty. Now, if you just have two 70%, 75% uh full-time on the retrail type guys with with Knicks and, and Hugh at, at, at the highest level that they are, now you've kind of increased and now you got one and a half big-time recruiters on the trail and you're still able to maintain uh, the offense to where Hugh can come in and, and call the offense and, and run the offense the way he wants to do it. And I think that is clearly the most ideal situation uh, because you got to think if – He's calling if Hughes calling plays, it's going to reduce some of his workload on the trail. So you got to be able to supplement that. And I, 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 there's no doubt the way we want to supplement it is with uh, another phenomenal recruiter and guy that knows Hugh in uh, Derek Nix. So those to me, it's offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, you don't have a ton. Your, your portal period is pretty much closed. You don't have a ton left on in high school. You got pretty much Ryan Williams, and that's it. And Hughes take he, he's going to be the lead guy there with with you know Marcus Davis. That's not that's not going to change. Adding an offensive coordinator, Ryan knows that, who's calling the offense. Ryan knows the direction of this offense moving forward. So like he's not going to be necessarily dependent on having to have an offensive coordinator to give him that vision. So um, I don't necessarily know that it. It increases the – like, I don't know that you're necessarily running out of time, uh, but I think you want to get some guys in because you got to get your game plan together for uh, spring because you got to make as much out of the spring as you possibly can, develop, get your get this, get this roster ready to go in 2024 because after this last season, unfortunately, you know, maybe not with people that understand the situation that we're in, when you end a season six and seven – Fans are going to want to see a big jump uh, in year two. And I think we can do – I think we have um, the talent, albeit young, to make that jump. But uh, hopefully we can get some guys in here so we uh, – get some coaches in here soon so we can start uh, pushing that forward, especially with the portal coming to close. Late signing day 
uh, creeping in. And, um, you know, again, you'll be set. You can stop worrying about it and just move forward. So, um, again, once those hires are made, we're going to talk about it. And then once all the coaching positions are filled, we're going to go through last year, this year, do we get better, do we get worse, um, and then talk about outlook uh, moving forward. So, again, uh, a lot happened over the weekend. Hopefully I got you caught up. This is a long, long-winded pod to, uh, today. So, um, again, you got to do that when you have the the information and news dump that you had on Friday and Saturday. So, uh, but we'll keep you caught up here. And uh, Thursday it'll be another banger, and we'll we'll get after it again. Thursday, when Thursday rolls around, the portal will be um, not necessarily closed, but all enrolling in spring will be closed. So we'll talk about a little roster stuff, any additions. We'll go over that as well. So, uh, guys, I appreciate it. Again, this was episode ten. Uh, of the Top Button Podcast. Uh, We'll catch you again on Wednesday. Uh, Stay buttoned.